Welcome to the Christ Life Ministries podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Olubi Johnson. For more information about this podcast and our other resources, please visit spcconline.org. God bless you. Father, we worship and honor you. We thank you for honoring our gathering with your tangible presence once again. We take it not for granted, for we know it is not everywhere your tangible presence is present. As we go into the word, we humble ourselves afresh under your mighty hand. I pray for fresh unction and anointing, firstly upon my heart and my lips, so I will speak indeed as I should as an oracle of God. Then I ask the same unction and anointing be put upon the ears and the hearts of all who will hear me, those who are physically present here, as well as those who will hear me remotely, electronically, so that the word will flow freely, Father, from you through me to the people to do an internal and eternal work in every heart, including my own, in particular, to cause our wills to become more humble, minds to be more enlightened, with revelation knowledge, emotions to be more tempered and controlled by the power of the fruit of the Holy Spirit. I further pray as I speak that the power of the Spirit of God be released in great as well as in sufficient measure to back these words and follow them wherever they are heard and released in all the earth. Yes, power that will heal, power that will deliver, power that will break yokes and free men so that they will become doers of these things which they hear and not hearers only. I also pray for mercy to be faithful that I will deliver the word indeed, Father, with precision, redeeming the time, saying only what you want me to say, bringing out the treasure of this word, things you and old, as a scribe instructed unto the kingdom. In Jesus' wonderful name we pray. And all those in agreement with me receiving every blessing I mentioned in that prayer in their individual lives, all individually agreed and said, This afternoon we're going to continue our series on the spiritual dynasty of David overcoming rebellion and today we're going to zero in on Solomon and hopefully we will finish Solomon today. Solomon will actually end this series um, because Solomon actually is a type of Christ as we're going to see if we get there and he represents the church, the end time church that builds the temple that the glory of God inhabits. So in a sense, Solomon's reign is a consummation of God's purposes for the church. Sadly, in the history of Israel, that temple was destroyed because of rebellion and disobedience. And um, many, many years later, God, through Daniel's intercession, and then he raised up Ezra, Nehemiah, <coughs> Esther, Mordecai, and they were able to come back and build the temple. It was not as big as Solomon's temple. And even that temple too, you know, God desecrated. And then, you know, until Jesus came, then we had the temple of Herod. So Solomon represents the epoch. He represents the peak, the zenith of uh, God's purposes for Israel in that time. Because he built that magnificent temple and the glory of God inhabited it, which will be a type today of the church. The perfect church that is going to be built, 
that is being built rather as I speak and will be inhabited by the glory of God. So there are wonderful lessons to learn from the life and the reign of Solomon. It actually typifies who we are today. And um, let me begin by quickly summarizing what we did in our last uh, teaching on this. We saw the uh, rebellion of Adonijah. He was forgiven uh, by Solomon. He declared himself to be king um, without his father's permission. Bathsheba goes in to meet Solomon at the um, signaling of Nathan the prophet. Nathan comes in and reinforces what Bathsheba says. For once, David takes a decisive action as it concerns his children. He anoints Solomon as king. Uh, the rebellion scatters. The people who followed Adonijah in his rebellion included Joab very sadly. We're going to read more about Joab today. And, uh, and Abiathar. You know, and um, Adonijah is afraid for his life. He goes to hold on to the horns of the altar. And Solomon asks him to come. says, go to your house, no problem. David now dies. On his deathbed, David gives very specific instructions to Solomon. There are many things he said, but I will just summarize them. But probably the most important thing David said to Solomon was he gave him the plans of the temple. David actually received the architectural plans for the temple by revelation from the Holy Spirit. I am told, I'm going to actually investigate this if I have more time in the years to come. Right now we're busy with intercession and, you know, uh, going to disciple the nations. But once we get that going, you know, and, and that is in process and it's taking place, I'm going to probably take the time. I understand, I've not, I've not been there, I uh, intend to go there soon, that in Jerusalem, as I speak tonight, today, there is the copy of the plans of the temple. And Isaac Newton in particular, who was a British scientist, but who also was a man of faith and revelation, did a lot of calculations on, that, on the dimensions of the temple. It's, it's in a uh, museum in a university in Jerusalem, I am told. You know, it's something I intend to uh, look into later on and investigate. But, uh, you know, um, no surprise. It came by the Holy Ghost. And he gave it to Solomon. And by the mercy and the grace of God, Sol God helped Solomon to be faithful at least in that. He did build the temple. And David, you know, left a lot of money and resources in terms of gold and silver and and. and uh, brass and wood. He left a lot of resources for the building of the temple. Solomon added to it. The princes of Israel too added to it. In the same breath, this is spiritually significant. In the same breath, he now gives him instructions <laughs> about execution. So we know it's the same Holy Ghost. 
Oh, ah, you know, can God be doing, you know, how can God, you know, tell him to kill somebody? <laughs> you don't know God yet. You know, you know, most Christians have a very childish, of course, God is not a killer. God is not a murderer. No, but God is a God of justice. And he, the Bible says, in righteousness doth he, you know, wage war. In righteousness, just like any responsible government. People are, you know, soldiers are killing other soldiers in Ukraine and Russia today. Not because they're murderers, but their country was invaded. They're killing the people who came. So it is with God. So God, God does execute. So to call a long story short, God gives Solomon, we looked at this last time, I'm just going to summarize, instructions to execute Joab, to execute Shimei. It is it's very interesting, Pastor G. There is no instruction given about Adonijah. David is always sentimental about his children. Uh, by, you know, we read it last time. You know, David, he spoiled his children rotten. That's what the message Bible said. He's, he, can you believe in all their lives, he never rebuked them, he never beats them. You know, none of us, is, you know, we should learn from that. The Bible says these things were written for our learning. Everybody say for our learning. I didn't hear you. You need to rebuke your children when they do wrong. You, when, when they are smaller, you need to be able to chasten them physically. And even when they are older, there's still different ways of chastening. There's, there's a strong rebuke. You can withdraw some of your resources from them, you know, so that they will know you are serious about what you're talking about. You know? And uh, anyway, so um, we went through this last time. Adonijah, David is dead. So Adonijah now goes to Bathsheba, you know, trying to play the sentimental woman card, you know, and says, look, can I have this uh, Abishak? Abishak was the um, concubine that they got for David to look after him when he was old. But David never slept with her. So she was a virgin. So Adonijah, you know, wanted the girl. So he goes to Bathsheba. He doesn't go to Solomon directly, you know, and says Solomon should ask from, um, sorry, Adonijah, um, that she should ask Solomon. That after all, he should have been king, but he's not king because Solomon is now, his brother is king. But at least he should be able to have this little girl. <laughs> that was the biggest mistake of his life. Solomon treats his mother with utmost respect. He, he prostrates before her. He sets a seat before her, be, behind, beside him. And, he said, you know, and, 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 and his mommy says, look, I want to ask you something. Don't say no. He says, of course, mommy, you know, I won't say no. You know, tell me what you want. You know, and says, okay, give Ab Abishak to Adonijah. Solomon gets livid. He wasn't rude to his mother, but he was firm. He said, ah, is it only Abishak you want to ask? He might as well ask the throne. Ask him, tell him to come and take the throne. And then, you know, and Joab, and uh, he said, so that day, and this is where we ended last time, and we'll take it off from there today. That day, Solomon did some very decisive things. Number one, he had Adonijah executed. Number two, he had Joab arrested and executed. Why? And we're going to see the, the, the New Testament equivalent. All the, let me just say this up front, you know, 
and you, you, you will have to, and I know I'm not talking only to scripture pastor people, I'm speaking to the whole world and to the whole church because this thing is on YouTube. All the Joabs, all the Abiathas, all the Shimeis, and all the Adonijas are going to be executed in the days to come. Otherwise, the kingdom will not be established. The problem we have with the church today is that we have a lot of rebellious people inside the church. And they've been with us for years. Joab was with David for years. Abiathar was with David for years. Shimei and his like and his ilk, people like him, were been in Israel for years. But when God now, to build that temple, to fulfill the purpose of God, all those guys had to be removed. And the same thing is going to happen today. And I'll tell you what the spiritual equivalents are in a minute. So, Solomon calls Shimei. He doesn't kill him immediately. He does it in righteousness. Joab, we looked at that last time. Joab has been, he was rebellious from the beginning. Joab had always, and he never, Pastor Quigel, watch this. He never dealt with it. And, you know, I used um, Professor Lockwoody last week as an, uh, last time I preached as an example. You know, you can have those things. You can deal with it. You can use the word of God to deal with it. You should use the word of God to deal with it. But if you don't deal with it, then God will deal with you. I don't know, if, I don't know how many of you take God seriously. But, you know, most of us don't take God seriously because we think God is like us. But God is not like us. God wants us to become like him. God does not talk carelessly. When God says something, he watches over it to perform it. It was Papa Ralph who said this many years ago. He said, God is as faithful to his promises as he is to his threats. You can call them a threat. If God promises justice and judgment, he's, he's faithful to watch over that word as he's faithful to watch over the word for blessing. Whether you say amen or you don't say amen. Is so. Are you listening to me? The, you say God watches over his word to perform it. He doesn't only watch over his word of blessing to perform it. He also watches over his word of judgment to perform it. And when you know that, you behave yourself. Something I learned many, many years ago, and I'm still learning it, and I'm keeping it in my heart. By the fear of the Lord, men depart from evil. You know, when you know, that's why it was God... That revelation, that, that confession we make, I didn't read in the book. I got it by revelation in line with the word of God. The fear of God is to know the certainty of his judgment. If you disobey, it's all conditional. You know, and the security of his mercy when you obey. You know what that thing does? It makes you stay away from evil. That is That judgment is certain. I say, oh, that's Old Testament. You don't know your Bible. In the, in the New Testament, the book of Hebrews, the Bible tells us is that, that every transgression obtained a just recompense of reward. He said, How much more we in the New Testament? How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? 
What are you talking about? God is stricter in the New Testament than he was in the Old. You have more grace and you have more, 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 more liberty in the New Testament. But then again, you have a higher standard. In the Old Testament, adultery was the physical thing. In the New Testament, adultery is looking to desire, to lust. And is judged with the same severity as the doing. People don't realize that. Well, he hasn't done it, so, you know, God, who told you? He's, he's in God's judgment book, not your own. That's why you need to deal with it. Now, he won't judge. That's the good thing about God. He won't judge it today. He won't judge it tomorrow. He will give you time. He says, I gave her space. I gave her space. That's, that's the goodness of God. That's the glow. That's the kindness of God. To repent. Then the Bible says, and she repented not. Revelation chapter 2, verses 23, you know, somewhere in there. He says, therefore, I will kill her with death. I will cast her and then that commit fornication with her into a bed. Then he says, accept and repent. See, God is good. He gives space. Watch this. He gives you space to repent. Then after he rebukes, he gives you space again to repent. But don't, don't think he's uh, a toothless bulldog that is in heaven and he's sleeping. He sees everything. So, these three people are executed. Shimei, we, we saw it last time, he's called him, gives him an instruction, don't go out of Jerusalem. He does after three years and he's executed. Now, <clears throat> after last, my last message, I myself am learning. Because revelation is progressive and continuous. And, and, you know, I didn't know that, what I'm about to say, I didn't know it before I preached the last message. But between then and now, I now, I, I, I got it in a, in a more, the best word is were concise, encapsulated. Joab, Adonijah represents rebellious Pastors who want to be leaders. Not everybody can be senior pastor. I don't know whether we realize that or not. Somebody was sharing with me. There's a scripture somewhere in Jeremiah. I don't know the exact reference. If you find it, give it to me. He says, be careful. Don't desire great things. Something like that. It's in Jeremiah somewhere. Not everybody can be... Rebellious pastors who want to be senior pastor represent Adonijahs. Abiathers are rebellious priests who also represent pastors who want to do the word of God their own way. The best way to explain Abiathar, you know, is to explain what happened with uh, the two sons of Aaron. What's their name again? Nadab and what's the name of the other? Who? Abu. You know, I don't remember names of bad boys. <laughs> Seriously. You know, Nadab and Abihu. You know, they offer strange fire. Abiathar 
You see, a priesthood who wants to pray their own way, they offer strange fire. They want to mix. Do you know that the anointing oil is mixed in a particular way? There is a particular amount of different of the different elements you must put in. You can and, and God warned them. He warned them. He said, Don't try and duplicate this thing or you know mix it and experiment with it. You know, so his prayer. Olubi Johnson and Kenneth Hagen did not invent the Pauline prayer. I didn't invent it. I didn't invent Ephesians 1. I didn't invent Ephesians 3. I did not invent Philippians 1. I didn't invent Colossians 1. I didn't invent um, 1 Chronicles chapter, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 14. I was talking about that in the Bible study today. You know, you know when, what we call rebellion in our own mind is very different from what God calls rebellion. Rebellion is deliberate disobedience to specific instruction. That's what it is. I didn't say this in the new Bible story, but let me say it now because it's contextual and it is relevant. You know, the Bible teaches us in the New Testament, again, it's here a little, there a little. You can't get it in any one scripture. There is no chapter and verse for it, this, but it's there. That you should endeavor to pray in the Spirit at least one hour every day. And then build it up to two and a half hours, which is your tithe. Do you know, there is no scripture of what I've just said, but it's there. It's scattered. Here a little, there a little, here a little, there a little. Yeah. I didn't invent it. Jesus was the one who said, could you not watch with me one hour? And it was Paul who said, I thank my God, I pray in tongues more than you all. It's from all those scriptures, we now get the fact that we have to pray a lot in tongues. Disobedience to that is rebellion. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We believe these words have empowered you to live a victorious, transcendent life in Christ. Our mission is to equip God's people for service and build up the body of Christ until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. We encourage you to enjoy and share from thousands of resources, including books, sermons, prophecies, and articles available on our website, spcconline.org. Thank you, and God bless you.